I started originally in 1994 in November after a brief stint at college after I graduated high school. I dropped out of college and came to work for the department as an officer in the fall winter of 94. So I left here in the fall of 04 to go teach public school. I taught public school for 10 years before coming back to work as the, the principal. Uh, in my time in public school, I completed a, a master's degree to finish my licensure and an administrative degree, then came back here as principal in 2014. Meet Michael Eisenhower. He's the principal at the Northeast Correctional Complex in Mountain City, Tennessee. Now, a lot of you may be asking yourselves, did he just say principal? Isn't the Northeast Correctional Complex a prison? And you're right. You see, NECX operates a fully accredited school within the confines of its compound. It is one of the 14 schools, one for each prison in the state, that make up the Tennessee Department of Corrections school system, which is fully accredited by and adheres to the criteria established by the Tennessee Department of Education. So, Mr. Eisenhower is actually one of 14 principals under the TDOC umbrella. And they, along with their staff of almost 100 teachers and instructors, are dedicated to teaching and instructing our offender population who become their students Monday through Friday in an effort to provide them with the education and tools that they need to succeed once they are released and returned home. The first part of TDOC's Education Department's mission states that they aim to provide a personalized, safe, and orderly learning environment for all students. I'm Rob Rayburn, and this is TDOC's The Mission. Looking at Principal Eisenhower, it's not hard to see how a man of his stature is able to command the respect and attention necessary to ensure smooth operations of a school housed within a prison facility. He's tall, well over six feet, and has shoulders as wide as the door that he just walked through to come and meet me. His steely gaze is piercing, accentuating a poker face that can make the most innocent person feel guilty of something. These are attributes he most likely utilized when in security years ago, working as a correctional officer at this very facility in the 90s. But speaking with him, it's also easy to see how he could motivate and inspire. He's very even-keeled, speaking in a low, mild-mannered tone. He's very deliberate when he speaks, as if he knows that his words have a unique power and should therefore not be rattled off with disregard for the possible impact they could wield on the lives of those he speaks them to. So what possesses a man who, after returning to school, working to earn his degree, and then enters the education profession, to then come back to corrections and teach inside of a prison? What compelled Michael Eisenhower to return to NECX to help teach and educate convicted felons? So going from high school math to the education department here at Northeast, that had to have been a pretty, pretty big difference kind of a culture shock um, what was that like why did you why did you choose to make that that career change well it's always been in me to to be a leader 
uh, to lead. And I had the opportunity to come back, like I said, in 2014 as the principal. And school is school, uh, regardless of what grade level or academic level, or, or I guess age level. Uh, these men, a lot of times, act like they're in school. Uh, you hear a lot of the same stories that you do in, in public school. A lot of the reasons why you can't be successful, uh, while they can't complete a degree or a program. So, uh, so, so it's there, there's not a lot of difference in that that aspect. Uh, the beauty about school uh, in TDOC is it is school. A lot of the other distractions that uh, consume a lot of time in public school uh, uh, are, aren't present in, in the prison. What is your approach uh, as principal? You're, you're kind of leading the helm. You know, if, if, that was a, if the education department is a ship, you're the captain. What direction do you want to take it in and kind of what's your philosophy in getting everyone on board, both your teachers and instructors, as well as the offenders, your students, uh, making sure that they are, are putting, putting forth their best effort and are therefore getting the biggest return on their investment? I think that the, the biggest and, and greatest thing that I can do and that my instructors can do is support the learning process. Many of these men that we encounter on a daily basis have not been successful in the school environment. They have some uh, animosity uh, to the system, the, the school, the teacher, the administrators. So to, to instill confidence in them and to support them, um, I think is, is vitally important. They all can be successful. They all can learn. Uh, and, and we just work hard to give them the support they need in order to do that. What are some of the obstacles you and, and your staff face uh, being while this is a school, it's a non-traditional school? Uh, and you kind of alluded a little bit to it about how uh, some of your students, I don't want to put a percentage on it because, as you said, a lot of them are excited for it. But at the same time, when they first begin um, in your program, whether it's, you know, ABE or one of the uh, career technical education courses, which we'll talk about in a little bit, um, but just getting them to understand that the teachers and you, you're not the enemy, that there's no reason to feel animosity. How do you overcome that and instill that trust and instill that, that optimism? We try to treat uh, each individual with uh, dignity and respect. Uh, again, they've by and large haven't had successful experiences in school. So we try to treat them with dignity and respect. Uh, I often tell them I work harder on getting them out of prison uh, than they do. Uh, if they could understand and see the, the big picture and know the importance of education, whether it be a high school equivalency or uh, a credential in one of the CTE programs. I think they would uh, appreciate that opportunity more, uh, but sometimes um, getting them to see the, the bigger picture is the challenge.
So why is educational and vocational programming so important? Why invest in this? I believe uh, the the statistics, and, and I'm not sure, what is it, 95% of these men are eligible for release. So the ones that we are supervising today are leaving in the communities beside us tomorrow. And with the new uh, Public Safety Act and, and other initiatives uh, to to provide the support and, and the means necessary to supervise these men um, is is very important. Uh, so so these men and, and women at, at the the women's sites are they are being released. Um, it's not a lock them up and throw away the key type environment. So with these men and women being released, they're going back into society. They need education and they need skills in order to be successful in society. Uh, you've told me more than once that a $1 investment uh, produces a $5 return. A $1 investment in prison education produces a $5 return. And to have these men and women be successful upon their reentry. Uh, to have them go and be productive members of society, uh, to have them go and, and lead lives uh, that are um, honorable, doing the things that they enjoy and providing uh, for themselves and for their families and for their loved ones, that is, is rewarding. And so I think the investment in this area is well worth uh, well worth it. These men and women are worth the investment. The statistic Principal Eisenhower just mentioned was in reference to an extensive study conducted by the RAND Corporation that found that for every $1 invested in correctional education, nearly $5 is saved in incarceration costs. That's an important statistic, but may not even be the most impressive in regards to discussing the importance of correctional education. That same study also concluded that inmates who participate in an educational program while incarcerated are up to 43% less likely to reoffend, and they increase their odds of securing stable employment upon release by 13%. And a Manhattan Institute study found that an offender's risk to reoffend drops by 20% once they've secured stable employment. So, in a nutshell, it is to the benefit of both our offenders and our communities to provide correctional education and vocational training programs. But how does Principal Eisenhower work to ensure that his students see and understand the benefits of those programs? He's actually got a very interesting philosophy that his teachers have also adopted. You have a really interesting philosophy, uh, and you and I have discussed it before, um, regarding how you and your team, your staff up there in, in the education department approach educating and instructing your students the offenders um, the three eyes as you call it can you can you tell us a little bit about that and and how that came to be i think it's important and and you know much of what i do is based upon my experiences uh, the the processes that that i have seen and i have experienced and that have been used to, to shape and mold me into who I am today. And I think it's very important that we are intentional in each and everything that we do with these men. Um, 
intentional in that uh, we provide them uh, with a sound curriculum, intentional that we provide them with the means that we are legally allowed to, to, to give them in order to be successful in that curriculum. Uh, we're also instructional in everything that we do. Uh, the instruction not only takes place in the classroom with the curriculum, with the standards, with the objectives, but also uh, we are instructional in, in, in that we model the expected behaviors that we desire out of them. Uh, again, dignity and respect, we talk to them uh, like, uh, like we want to be talked to. Uh, we don't yell and berate them, and uh, we certainly do not tolerate that from them. And, and hopefully, at the end of the day, uh, it can be inspirational. People have trouble naming the last Super Bowl champion. Uh, who won Super Bowl 42? Who won the World Series six years ago? Uh, I mean, we know who won the Masters yesterday, but do we know who won the Masters three years ago? We forget those things. But when it comes down to it, each one of us can name someone that has invested their time in us, who has instructed us, who, who, who has been there for us, and who has inspired us. Uh, many times uh, when I talk to, to folks, uh, adults, uh, uh, children of all ages, uh, they know who their teachers have been. They know who have um, who have been there time and time again, helping them, instructing them, uh, and and providing for them. And of course, policy limits uh, the amount of contact that we can have with these men and their families. But at the same time. Uh, we do get an occasional letter in the mail. We get an occasional phone call um, from, from someone who uh, just wants to, 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 to thank us for uh, inspiring them, for seeing in them something that they could not see for themselves and for working hard in order to try to get them, to get that out of them. It really validates the, the whole purpose of, of why we're here. Um, again, because of policy constraints, it's hard to keep a Rolodex uh, and, and contact names and numbers of all these people and track them for years like you could in, in the public sector. So, so to have those interactions occasionally on the street is very rewarding. I have one gentleman who, who told me in confidence that if his instructor uh, would have been his father, if he'd have been born into uh, to this man's household, uh, that the chances of him being in prison would be slim to none. Uh, he looks at this man not only as a, as a teacher and a mentor, uh, but as a role model and as a leader and uh, is very thankful for the opportunity not only to complete uh, the class under this man, but now to work for him. Um, and it's stories like that that, that I think um, 
is important. I think stories like that helps uh, not only me, but the instructors uh, realize the, the true impact that they're having upon uh, the lives of these men. I wish all stories were like that, but, uh, but it's not. But at the same time, we are making an impact. And, and for that, I'm, I'm thankful. The rest of the education department's mission is to ensure all students excel on their tests, that all students receive their high school equivalency, a certificate of completion, and or certification in a trade. And most importantly, that all students are prepared to successfully reintegrate with their families and communities upon release. Maybe it's their passion to teach and to educate. Maybe it's the knowledge that the stakes are much higher in terms of what success and failure means for these particular students. Most likely it's a combination of both, but one thing is for certain. TDOC's teachers and instructors are dedicated to doing their very best to prepare our offenders, their students, for success. However, they are only half of that equation. Their students have to want to participate. They have to want to learn and grow. So do they? On part two of this episode, I speak with a group who are currently enrolled in some of NECX's programs and get their thoughts on going back to school while incarcerated. Thank you for listening to this episode of TDOC's podcast, The Mission. I encourage you to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Also, be sure to check out our various social media platforms for more in-depth and behind-the-scenes look at the work going on within TDOC, as well as our website, tn.gov correction. I want to thank Principal Eisenhower for his time, as well as his service to NECX and TDOC, and special thanks to TDOC's Digital Media Director, Justin Brown, for helping me with this episode. Thanks again, and be sure to tune in for part two of this episode in the coming days.